Welcome to another episode of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of Sunday, June 18th, and is preached by our pastor, Brother Mike Sylvie. Our desire is that this message builds you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. Here now is Brother Mike preaching from Galatians 2, verses 9 and 10, a message titled, Pillars of the Earth. As men of that society, God wants men to be the pillars of a society, and they are pictured so in, in Scripture. And it's interesting, when you look up the word pillar in the Bible, you frequently find it connected with men. We do so in our text in Galatians chapter 2, and um, in other places in the Bible, like where, when Solomon built the temple, First uh, Kings chapter 7 says he set up two massive pillars, and he gave them names. He named them. And there were two men's names. The Bible says, thus he set up the pillars at the porch of the nave. He set up the right pillar and named it Joachim. He set up the left pillar and named it Boaz. And so two huge pillars that held up the temple were given uh, a man's name. In the heavenly temple, the Bible shows us in the book of Revelation that it also has pillars. And also the pillars there are connected with godly men. Revelation 3, verse 12 says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he will not go out from it anymore, and I will write on him the name of my God. So men, God, the pillar God, wants to make you pillars in this world. And if you will be God's man in this world, do what he tells you to do, take the blessing that he pours into your life and pour it into someone else's life, And you'll make a difference in your days here on this earth. The Apostle Paul was a pillar. And God used some pillar men in his life to bring him along and to impact him. And he speaks about those men that impacted him in Galatians chapter 2. Verse 9, he says, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, They gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. So I think in these verses we have some key qualities to pillar men. And I want to share with you, there are three that come out of this text. And these three men show us how we can be the kind of men that God wants us to be in this world. The first is that pillar men are men of influence. And in verse 9, Paul says that these men who are around him seem to be pillars. As he spent time with them, he began to pick up things about them. And uh, they picked up some things about Paul as well. Uh, Paul says they perceived that God's grace was with me as well. And so as they spent time together, they just began to pick up things about one another, and we call that influence. 
when you spend time around someone else and this who you are and how you do things rubs off on them, uh, that's influence. God's calling us men to be men of influence. One minister said the ability to change someone's perspective or emotions is one of the most powerful gifts that God can give. It's the ability to influence. Now, that gift comes from God. And there are men uh, who are more influential than others. Some men will influence in, in ways that are not healthy and not good. But God's men will have his gift and his power and his enabling to be able to influence others in a godly way. And that was what was happening with Paul as he spent time around Peter, James, and John. And so there's some lessons on influence here, men, I want to point out to you. And the first is that it's more caught than taught. Uh, when Paul was with these men, it, he did not attend their conference on how to be a godly man. He didn't hear about all the, the things they had to teach. In fact, early in Paul's ministry, he says in chapter 1 of Galatians, that he was only around Peter for a very short time, and after that he went out to the wilderness for three years. And so it wasn't that he had just spent a lot of time with them and, and learned what they had taught, but as he began to spend time with them, they just began to rub off on him. And that's the way influence is. It's more caught than it is taught. To Paul it seemed that they were pillars. To them they perceived that Paul had the, the grace of God. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And Adrian Rogers says that means that a man's friend will put a sharp edge on his life. And that's influence. Dr. Rogers also says influence than it is to impress. As men, so often we, we spend a lot of our time and energy trying to impress other people that 10 years from now won't care anything about what maybe they, they experience with us. But if we will, through God's help, influence them, then it will be an impact that lasts all, all the way into a, another generation. My dad was that way, is that way. Uh, he's a preacher and a teacher. And as I stand before you this morning, I cannot give you like one key phrase that he always said. I can't give you a, a, just a motto that he always spoke in our presence and that I can remember and relate to you now. He's a great preacher, great teacher, smartest man I know. But what I have taken from his life, more so than his words, has been his way of living, his godly way of living. Now, my dad's not perfect. He'll tell you that. I'm telling you that. I was raised in his house. You know, at home, we, we learn the true uh, uh, good and bad of all of us, don't we? My dad's not perfect. But here's what my dad had. He had and has a desire and a commitment to do what's godly. And he made sure that uh, uh, we, we boys and my, my sister, she didn't get in trouble as much as us, but he made sure that all of us, when we, we needed correction, and when we were stepping out of the way, he made sure that we knew what the godly thing to do was. And that's what I carry with me today. The person that I am today is due to God and due largely to how God has worked in my life through the influence of my dad. 
It's more caught than it is taught. And so men just spending time being a godly person around our family, around our friends, around others, is how the godly influence is transferred. Another lesson about influence that we see here from this text is that actions speak louder than words. Again, they, they did not relate, Peter's not, Paul's not relaying everything that Peter, James, and John told him, but he says this, he says, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. It was an action that Paul goes back to and remembers early in his experience that really made a difference in his life as they reached out their hand and they said, we accept you, we support you, we're praying for you. You're one of us. Actions speak louder than words many times. The nonverbal is very influential in a man's life. You take a man who is good with his words, but he doesn't have a life that backs, backs it up, his influence will begin to wane and disappear, especially among the males in his life. They will not respect a man who is all words, who is no substance. And so actions, godly actions that back up the words and reinforce the words is what we see here. And it equals a great godly influence. One man said it this way. He said of his father, he didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch, and let me watch him do it. There was a political figure and a diplomat that lived during the Civil War time. His name was Charles Francis Adams, and he kept a diary. And he wrote in his diary on one day that he went fishing with, he went fish, he said, he wrote, went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. Well, his son, Brooke Adams, also kept a diary, and he wrote in his diary the same day, went fishing with my father, the most wonderful day of my life. Men, don't underestimate the influence that you have just by showing up and just by spending time with your family. Time that you think it could be better served elsewhere. Maybe it's not what you want to be doing, but it's what God is doing through you to impact those around you. He wants us, number one, to be, a, be an influence. Pillar men are men of influence. And secondly, we see they're, they're men of strength. So first we see this perception, uh, this influence that, that Paul picked up automatically, but then he uses this word of strength. So pillar men are to be men of strength. This word pillar means a column to make firm to cause to stand immovable. So this pillar conveys and implies strength. And God has made men to gravitate toward and love strength because that's how God wants to use us. As we're going to see, it doesn't mean physical strength necessarily, but strength that comes from God. Strength that impacts other people's lives for a long time. This is... The ideal behind the word pillar, as Paul was describing these men, he said they're men of strength, they're pillars. And God has also wired families to gravitate toward men, toward leaders who will impart that strength to them. 
Years ago, I, I saw this illustrated at another church I was at is around Father's Day, we put out a survey to the preschool department. We asked little kids there to, to give us some information about their dads. And they were given a little sheet titled My Daddy, and there were several blanks on this sheet, and the teachers read the sheet to the kids and asked them for their answers, and they filled in the blanks. And uh, as you read them, you see that it is the nature of a kid, it's the nature of a family to look up to their dad. The dad is a larger-than-life figure in their life, especially in the early days. One child said, my dad is 48 years old. He weighs 80 pounds and is 90 feet tall. <laughs> Sound like a pillar to me. My dad's favorite food is pizza. My favorite thing to do with daddy is to play with him. Another child wrote or answered, my daddy is 10 years old. <laughs> he weighs 48 pounds and is 68 feet tall. My daddy's job is work. My favorite thing to do with daddy is to work. The best thing about my dad is he works. <laughs> my daddy is 600 years old. He weighs 350 pounds and is three feet tall. That pillar lays on his side, it sounds like. How do you get that shape? My daddy's favorite food is chicken. My daddy's job is airplanes. My favorite thing to do with daddy is go swimming. My daddy is zero years old. He weighs eight pounds and is six feet tall. Getting more normal. My daddy's job is fireman stuff. My favorite thing to do with daddy is play games. And one last one. My daddy is 49 years old. He weighs 69 pounds and is six feet tall. My daddy's favorite food is pasta. My favorite thing to do with daddy is have fun with him. The best thing about my daddy is that I love him. Dads, your family looks up to you. You're, you're, you are a larger-than-life figure in their world. And God is wanting to use you to be that man, man of strength in their life. And that's the picture we have here in the text. Now the Bible shares with us several observations about strength that we all need to understand. And that is number one, spiritual strength is greater than physical strength. If you don't believe that, just review the story of Samson. Samson, the strongest man in the Bible, a Nazarite, Part of the Nazarite vows, you didn't cut your hair. He had long hair, and he revealed the secret eventually that was his downfall. He, was, he, he revealed that if they cut his hair, broke his vow, that he would lose his strength. And that's exactly what happened. And the strongest man that no one could stand before eventually uh, ended his life. His life ended in the middle of a pagan temple with them abusing him, and him pulling down the, the pillars around him. How'd that happen? It's because he traded his spiritual strength for physical strength. Spiritual strength is the height of all strength, men. 
It is that we know God and we walk with God and we have God's strength operating in our life that causes us to be able to have the strong influence with others that we need. As we walk with the Lord in His Word, we become men of the Word and we're filled with His Spirit, His Spirit that has might and power. That's how we tap into the greatest strength that's out there. The strength that can stand up against any enemy and endure through any trial and challenge. Spiritual strength is greater. And the Bible also shows us that great strength comes from character within, not force from without. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not through our ability, but through Christ's ability that we have strength. The Bible says the glory of young men is, is their strength, but even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait or lean on the Lord shall renew their strength. He gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases strength. They mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The strongest man that exists is the one who goes to the Lord for his strength. And going back to these two pillars that Solomon named, is a picture of strength. The, the one, the right, the one on the right, Joachim, it means established. That's what the word means. And the one on the left, Boaz, means strength. So to put them together, the picture is men established by God's strength. That's the picture that God puts there in his temple. The earthly temple had that picture. The heavenly temple has that picture so men, God wants to use you, strengthen you to be strength for others. We need a godly man's influence. We need his strength. And we need their support. The third thing we see here, the key quality of a pillar man, is that they're men of support. That's what pillars do. They hold up others. And there are two ways that Peter, James, and John conveyed this uh, support to Paul. They said, number one, we want you to be going. It says that you should go, or that, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. And then secondly was that they are to be giving. Verse 10, they desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. So men of support are goers and they're givers. Out in society, they are going, taking the life of the Lord to others who need it. And that's what the apostles were talking about here. If they would go to the circumcised, that was those of their own family, the Jewish nation, and share the gospel with them. But then Paul and Barnabas were to go to the uncircumcised, the, the Gentiles, so those who are far away. So men, it is God's calling on every one of our lives to be those who take his life to this world, those near and far. There's a lot of wonderful things that God gives us as men to have a desire to do and a privilege to do, to hunt, to fish, to golf, to travel, do all these fun things. But the highest and the greatest privilege that we have, the most important privilege we have, is to be fishers of men, to be going, to be taking his life that's changed our life, and to take it to others. That's what men do. When the Lord called his disciples, he called men. 
first. He called them to follow him, and he said, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Men were never off duty to take God's gospel to this world. That's how we support the world. That's how we support others. And we need to always be on duty. A man who was an executive was hosting a get-together at his house. There was a large group there. He was dressed up in the evening attire, had a dinner jacket. It was the days in which they still dressed up to go eat. And he had his full evening attire on, and he was standing there by the pool out back talking to his guest. And all of a sudden, a little girl that was in the pool with some of the other kids began to struggle and began to go under and began to drown. And he dropped everything, stopped everything, got out of his jacket, jumped into the water immediately, saved the little seven-year-old girl's life. And they said when he came up out of the water, all his hair was still intact. That's a true story. That man was Ronald Reagan, who at the time was the governor of California. Early in his life, I'd never heard this, but early in his life, he served as a lifeguard at a public beach where he was raised. As a young lifeguard, he rescued 77 people. And that's why he jumped in action by that poolside. It's because he was a man of support. He had been conditioned. He had been trained. He had been readied. And he was not off duty all those years after that. Man of character, man of strength, man of influence, who became one of our greatest presidents. I think that's a reminder of all of us men that we're never off duty. We are to be the ones who are saving life, not taking it. We're holding up life, not tearing it down. And we're always on duty. The Master has called us, and we are to be going taking the Lord's life to others. But then we're also to be givers. We're to be taking the Lord's love to others. And that's why the, uh, the apostles said to, to, to Paul to, to remember the poor. They wanted the poor to be remembered because the Lord said for them to remember the poor. Paul relates this in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He said, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he, he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So here's what a godly man does out in society. He's a man of strength and support, and as he goes, he's looking for those who are weak and who need a, a helping hand. Now he doesn't recklessly just give to other people and enable them to be irresponsible. But on the other hand, he does not look at those who are in a difficult position and say, I've worked hard for my money. I've done the right thing. I'm not giving what I've worked so hard for to those who haven't worked as hard as I. They don't think that way. No, they see them as poor. They see them as weak. And with the Lord's words, they go and they, they become givers. As the Lord has blessed them, they see that as an opportunity to bless others. And man, the Lord will lead us to be givers. There's leading in Luke chapter 14 when the Lord said, When you give a dinner 
or a banquet. Do not invite your friends or brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in turn and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Men are givers. There's leading of the Lord in Luke chapter 3. And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. There's leading in Luke chapter 12 when he says, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, for the treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And there's leading in Deuteronomy chapter 15 when the Lord said, If among you one of your brothers shall become poor, if, any of your town, if in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. And you say the seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cried to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. The Lord, the great giver, has come into our world and become our support. And he's calling men to be pillar men, to go out and do likewise. There was a Spanish story told years ago of a father and son who had become estranged. The son ran away, and the father set off to find him. He searched for months to no avail. Finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in a Madrid newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, and in that, in that uh, society, Paco was a very common name, he said, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. The story goes that on Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up in front of the newspaper looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. Men, a pillar is not perfect. We as men and fathers will not be perfect. We'll make our share of mistakes. But here's what a pillar man does. Because he is a man of influence and a man of strength and a man of support, he doesn't give up. He doesn't stop. He doesn't quit. He doesn't stop loving. He doesn't stop forgiving. He doesn't stop going. He doesn't stop caring. He doesn't stop giving. There's a whole world of Pacos out there that need the impact of a man like that. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Central Word. Our prayer is that this message will encourage you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each and every week. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you in the week to come.